1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Hey everyone, on this episode of 6 Degrees with Mike McKenna, I'm joined by Goalie Gear Nerd, who you know from Twitter, Instagram, all across social media as the expert when it comes to all things goaltending equipment. We've got an awful lot in common, we're very close to the same age, so we grew up liking the same things, being able to talk about them with one another. It's a lot of fun to sit down and talk technology, history, where the position of goaltending and the equipment is going, all those types of things. So hope you enjoy Goalie Gear Nerd. Should I call you Mr. Nerd or Goalie Gear Nerd? Or just, you know, nerd for short.
1: What do you, you think is best here? Uh, no, just, just call me. Uh, I don't care what you call me, Mike. Thanks thanks for having me.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, let's go back to the beginning of this. Not everybody in the world becomes so in tune to something that they're so passionate about. Mm-hmm. What's the genesis of Goalie Gear Nerd? What made you be passionate about the position of goaltending?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a very obscure and deep obsession, which honestly is one that I thought... I was the only one that had. I, I really felt like I was the only one in the world that, that thought about this stuff to the degree that, that, that I do and come to find out uh, that uh, people share this. So yeah, I mean, like like a lot of kids, very young, got exposed to hockey. And I remember the first goalie I ever saw, my mom cr- uh, collected uh, hockey cards. It was the Kirk McClain, Vancouver Canucks, Pro set card him standing there in his Black Vaughn Legacy pads, uh, and I remember looking at the picture going, "I have no idea what this is," but that guy looks awesome.
0: And it wasn't just the black pads; it was yeah. also the Nash blocker. Yes, sir, that's right. And the Hespler stick. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that exactly. Was, and
1: it was a unique setup. It was iconic. The, the mask was uh, amazing. He he just uh, was a month ago or so put it all back on for a uh, for an alumni thing, and so I think that was the the genesis of it, and. Started playing, and I was that kid that carried, you know, hockey catalogs around with me. You could send out for the the Gunzo's catalog, the uh, the Ocean's hockey catalog, and I, we would go to restaurants or, or wherever, and I would tote these catalogs around and just thumb through them endlessly. Uh, I had a
0: binder of them, yeah, because you could get them from USA Hockey.
1: Yeah, that okay. was what
0: it was. If you were an American mm-hmm. and you got USA Hockey, or if you're Canadian, doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you are, mm-hmm. but you could page through those magazines yeah. and like you said, you call them up and they send you a catalog, Ocean, Skate, South yes. Windsor. Yes. And I had a huge binder of them. It was the yes. exact
1: same way. Yeah, it was before iPads and things like that. And so that's what it was. And then, you know, uh, later going on in life and, 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 and working in, in both retail and with equipment companies, obviously, that obsession only kind of has grown over time. And I just think global equipment is really unique in terms of, compared to other sports in the sense that goalies wear so much of it. So it's so obvious when you look at goalies. Um, I think maybe fencing and Formula One racing are the only sports where the athletes covered more. Um, And then also because the fact is that the equipment is as much about performance as it is about protection, if not more about performance than protection. So it's kind of the tools that you play the game with. And that shifted over time, though. Yes. It
0: used to be strictly protection. Right. And that's always the fight we have because the people that are running the regulations are thinking this is purely performance. Right. When do you think that,
1: that switch flipped? That's a really great question. I think over time, you know, there are certain companies that realized they could just continue to scale the sizes of things. And you look at some of the, the cards, um, you know, let's think of some of these Aeroflex gloves from like the 90s that were just huge. And I think that they, they started realizing that you could skirt those rules. There was not as many controls within the game about the size of goalie's gear. And then they obviously throttled that kind of way, 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 way back. And I also think that you know, when, when you started seeing some enhancements in the gear, like um, putting like knee blocks and pads and changing completely how a leg pad rotates and all of a sudden going from a goalie falling on the face of their pad to all of a sudden now having uh, at that time 12 inches when you're the 12 inch uh, with. Of coverage all on the bottom net, that, that changed the dynamic completely. And all of a sudden, I think Go is now really start seeing these are performance additives. It's really not about protection anymore.
0: And that happened during my career. Yeah. When I was a kid, the pads, you'd wear them as tight as you could, mm-hmm. and you'd fall in the front of them, and you'd mm-hmm. see the knee rolls because it was still real leather, or right. at least the. The Chlorino they used back then, you could literally wear it out. Right. And you'd see the inside of the knees, almost to the middle of the pad, would be worn completely. Right, right, right. right. And I think by college for me is when it started to change because guys started to wear their pads loose. Mm -hmm. That was the first wave. Mm -hmm. And you realize that your pads could now rotate, take up space. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it turned into a complete rotation. And like, mm-hmm. do you think, I'm thinking I, that really the velocity yes. is kind of what ushered in. Do you agree with that? Yeah.
1: I think it's understood now that it was really uh, Pete Smith, who's now with Warrior. Um, he was working at Vaughn at the time. He was really the one that came up with the concept of the knee block. And so for those of you that don't know the the exact, you know, some of the specific mechanics of goalie pads, that's you know, about a one inch Piece of foam that goes up against the side of the knee, and the knee lands on that now when you go into a butterfly. Some people call it the landing the gear. The landing gear. Exactly knee stacks, right. landing gear. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Knee right. block. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and that, as you said, changed everything in terms of all of a sudden the pads are rotating. And I know there's a story about Kiprasoff how, you know, he, he when he came into the league, he did okay for, with San Jose. We went to the Flames, and one of, and I don't remember who it was at the time one of the coaches advised him to start strapping his pads um a lot looser to allow for that rotation. And it said it changed his game. I bet it was David Marcoux. It, it probably it could have yep. been that makes sense uh, chronologically. Um, and and so that was huge. And I think really within goalie gear over the last 15, 20 years, I think mean, that's probably the biggest advancement. Because like I said it completely changed it completely changed how pads not like perform and how goalies perform and ushered in uh, subsequent changes, things like being able to take the cowling off of skates. It changed the, the technique of the game. And you, isn't it fun when you
0: find an old piece of gear, though, to look back and just see how much it's changed and <laughs> yes. kind of envision right. what it was like to play with this? Like right. Look at look at a picture of Glenn Hall, how big his blocker was. Right. It was right.
1: massive. Right. Or, or there's another a interesting story about uh, Glenn Hall I heard uh, a couple weeks ago how uh, when he was with St. Louis, he was using a Stan Musial um, baseball glove um, that they had actually sewn a cuff onto. That
0: was my first catching glove as a kid. Really? Yep. Okay. I caught with my right hand. Okay. Yeah. My grandpa was left-handed, uh-huh. and he had a first baseman's glove mm-hmm. that we sewed a cuff onto. <laughs> right. Okay. Out of, out of naugahyde and plastic and foam, and that's what I would use, really? like in the basement, to protect my wrist when I try to catch pucks. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the exact same it,
1: thing. That's so funny, and yeah, it, it shows you how, and that's what they were doing for. I mean, really, only last. 30, 40 years where they've said they've made very specific catch gloves that perform well and things like that. They were still doing things like that, sewing things on, and, um, which is unbelievable compared to where it is today. Do you miss that
0: level of customization that the athlete would actually do themselves or the trainer, the equipment
1: manager, as opposed to it all coming from the factory new now? That's really interesting because um, I think that – I think. Pros and you can probably speak this way more than I can, but my understanding is that pros really vary in terms of how much they think about their gear. You know, you had that great, um, the the great, great podcast with Todd Brown talking about stuff, the lengths that Belfort went to and how throwing pucks at pads on walls to see what the rebounds would do, which is unbelievable, crazy, crazy, but it makes sense. Right, to do that stuff exactly. Right, and, and and I think some pros go to those levels, and and now they have the opportunity to work with those companies and the the companies have those resources to kind of do that level of innovation. But there's guys at the other end of the spectrum that they're just like, give me a new catcher. I don't care what it is. I'll make it work and things like that. So, um, you know, it's it's cool that some of them are real big tinkerers. I think some of them still do that to a certain extent. I think it's probably good that the goalie's not sitting behind the sewing machine anymore. (laughs) Leave it to
0: the pros. It's it's been fun. The few interactions that like Ryan Miller and I have had Mm -hmm. at times talking about, Mm because I know we were both big careers with gear like mm-hmm. you said you think about goalies historically and how we've been considered weird and oddballs mm-hmm. and i i hold the contention that that's because we're creative and i think it's it's gone away a little bit now because it's a very plug and play position you mm-hmm. go in the store you pick your stuff out mm-hmm. it's so optimized it works well right. um, it didn't always used to work for your body right i can remember getting pads that would not rotate for me when Mm -hmm. I was 13 or 14 and I was cutting foam out of them doing everything that I could. Really? And that's just how it was Mm. because it was just throwing spaghetti at the wall back then. Yeah. So I I think that that level of creativity maybe is what draws people to the position in some ways too. Yeah, it
1: seems to be a common language for the position and and I think that... They've said, I've, someone said it a while uh, recently, and, and I think I found it to be true. When I've had the rare opportunity that I've had to to interact with various pros, I got to meet Cujo at something. The first words out of my mouth were, you know, uh, the Heaton Pro 90s Zs that you wore with St. Louis were iconic. And he just lit up and was like, oh, Brian Heaton was a genius. And the, and the whole backstory is this common language we don't have. And even my understanding is among other pros and other goalies that they will. Um, actually go and and constantly be talking to other goalies trying to again looking for little enhancements because the gear now is so much of a performance optimizer it's this thing we're all kind of fascinated with let's dig in on cujo's gear a bit back oh then. gosh yeah like the 90s yeah,
0: and the transition to tps mm-hmm. and the brief interlude with brown yes what do you know about that time frame of
1: cujo that's a great question so um I, I don't know Tremendous. I know that he really um, so he came out of those those and had had a deal with with uh, Louisville and was really working with them to help create those TPSs. Uh, the pads at the time, I believe there were some there were some challenges about trying to get close to five holes. So he was wearing some brown uh, brown pads at the time with a Heaton puck foil on the bottom of that i think
0: they were brown excels i think
1: yeah they were i think they were uh while he kind of worked through some of those enhancements uh and it was really really interesting because he 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 had a hand in helping design all of that and then subsequently um he uh louis actually got brian heaton to come on board and design for them uh which i think was a little bit later uh but yeah those tps's were really uh, he was really ushered in really pulled that company into the goalie market and it had a significant amount of success for years to come you know, guys like Lundqvist and things like that wearing the gear
0: i thought it was interesting though that they uh he was in the Flexor line and yes. not in the Butterfly line because yes. their marketing was all the Butterfly line Yes, like all the Quebec guys back then Jaguar, mm-hmm. when they were younger yeah. Luongo they were all in the the yes. butterfly, and yeah. then here he comes with a completely new pad called yeah. Flexor that was kind of built around his stylus.
1: Yeah, he, he, uh, the, my understanding is, uh, is at the time he really had a desire to be able to have the fronts of the pads kind of collapse inward to help close that five-hole, a little bit ahead of his time in thinking that to use the top portion of what we now call the thigh rise to help close that five-hole. That really wasn't a concept quite yet, um, and so that was kind of his, his thinking, and then I'm trying to kind of figure out how to do that. Uh, kind of biomechanically, um, but yeah, it was it was a very very uh, cool line. I still have some TPS stuff actually in, in in my house. You know, hung on my wall for that exactly. Uh, that reason.
0: I had the butterfly blocker and then I ended yeah. up, the only time I used Brian's in my career was an angle light blocker, mm, yeah. which is that same oblique shape that mm-hmm. was essentially, it was a knockoff of the TPS butterfly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I liked it because I could go paddle down with it easier. Yeah. Like it was a nice innovation at the time. Yeah, Who do you think really ushered in the taller thigh rises though, as a mechanic to block the five hole? Oh, that is a really great question. I, mean, I, I think a Trevor Kidd wore really tall ones. Yeah. Cujo started to wear tall ones in yeah. Edmonton. Yes.
1: Uh, I, mean, I would say that was the, is the one that comes to mind where he, he started right. going taller and taller and taller. Uh, Cause Cujo is a gear nerd. I mean, he really does, as I said in my interaction with him, you know, he really does things he thinks about. And so, yeah, he his really tall TPS uh, pads immediately come to mind. Kids, um, even when uh, when uh, subsequently when Cujo went to the Bowers, he was with Toronto, they were pretty tall for the time. And that was really again when the kind of goal is everywhere we're starting to understand the knee blocks are starting to come in as well. That okay, I can land on the inside of my uh, inside of my pad, and I can actually close the fight with that thigh rise, which is really interesting. Yeah,
0: and that changed everything. With did. think about. The thigh boards, right? Not just the knee blocks, the but the thigh, thigh boards. boards. Yes. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's go into the background of it. It's the first time I noticed it was with Coho, so mm-hmm. it was Lafave doing. It. Yeah, exactly. What ushered in that change from what you found, and who came up with that idea? Do you have any idea? No,
1: I don't know who came up with the, who the original ones. I don't want to give false credit to anyone, but really, Lafave really the genesis of their company and their being in Quebec and you know, the birthplace of butterfly, so to speak, at least the modern interpretation of butterfly. Um, having a very large square piece that's attached to the pad. Again, back at that time, a butterfly wasn't bringing the thighs together or bringing the knees together and flaring at your ankles. It was really just kind of closing up the five hole. And there really wasn't the seal that there is today. So there was an exposure uh, with the knee. <clears throat> Wearing separate knee guards really exposed you to injury. So having these large kind of square pieces became an extra blocking surface, which is why the NHL ruled them out finally. And pros kind of started to get a little aggressive with uh, them. Exactly. Though I mean, exactly,
0: Jiggy might have had fifteen inches. You know, they were pretty large. <laughs> yeah. and,
1: and Jiggy with his with his Jiggy Flyer, the super narrow uh, butterfly. You know, he again. You know, all of a sudden you were create a whole new blocking surface, kind of a mini blocker. Uh, between your legs, um, and they were very effective, but yeah, again, finally deemed to be, you know, we know what these are, how you guys are using these.
0: I got a funny story on that. So, when I ended up in Portland the first time, 2008 or so, I guess it was, was Mm -hmm. with the Ducks organization, Mm -hmm. and Francois Allaire was there, Okay, and I was like, wow, like, I've worked with corn before, Mm -hmm. now I'm getting Frankie Allaire, this is unbelievable, you know, and and, and I loved working with Frankie, though, like, his... His skating, his groundwork, a lot of things that he said to me made a lot of sense and helped me. But I remember going down in the butterfly, and he goes, Okay, now bring your feet together, like in the back, right? Okay. Like Jiggy okay. did. And okay. Well, I have a very naturally wide butterfly, uh, yeah, but he wanted to see how my equipment worked. Inch so I'm a Frankie... He had me bring my heels together uh-huh. and he looked at my knees and I had on like the first generation Reebok knee guards, I think at the okay. time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bauer 195 pads. Okay. And there was, there's a hole. Yeah. And he goes, that's not good enough. <laughs> really? He goes, we got to change that. You're going to wear new pants tomorrow. We'll order them from CCM. You'll wear those and you wear the knee guard underneath. Really? And that's how it worked. And so, fascinating. and, and I had to redesign the whole knee stack in conjunction with Bauer. Okay. To get it to lay flat and sit properly. Uh-huh. So that was the first step, and then wearing the pants that had the padlock knee yes, section yes, yes, over, yes, yes. and those got outlawed too. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, and now you have to have separate knee guards yeah. to your pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was my introduction to Francois Allaire. Really. Who was so instrumental with Patrick
1: Watt? Of course yeah yeah, and how they always push the boundaries with equipment. And what's interesting is, is that there are a lot of goalie coaches, and I, we did some research on this a while ago, um, asking goalie coaches how many of them who feel like they're experts in technique are also experts in equipment, and very few, only about a third of them said they felt like they were that they really were proficient in the equipment side. And I, I see that as an opportunity where we can kind of help educate because I'm not an expert in technique. <laughs> um, I do not, do not recommend, uh, taking any, any technique lessons from me. We've never seen you in action that I can, think I, of. I, yeah, strongly recommend against it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I think it's those, those rare goalie coaches that do like a layer, they really understand how it all works together. Um, how, again, the, 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 the equipment is a tool to enhance the performance, that's huge and those that's why people like mean, Francoisaire or Francois La there's only you know, there's only one town
0: but that's why I loved it because right. to me if I wasn't wearing as big a gear as I possibly could mm-hmm. at least stuff that let me move right like yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. stupid to the extent that I right. couldn't right. perform right I wasn't cheating I was hurting my team true because yeah. I was within the rules right I was never outside the rules right right, right. and I remember like when I got called up to Tampa, that next year after Portland, right? I'd just uh-huh. been with Frankie, so I'm learning all the ins and outs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd come up with my own ways, though, too. And I got my arm mm-hmm. and chest protector to sit as high as I could. I'd Bro, wear it like a turtle shell. You're a big shell. guy, as is. And I got square shoulders, but mm-hmm. I'd wear it like a turtle shell. I'd pull everything as cinched as tight as I possibly could. Uh-huh. So, with the old rules, it would sit four inches almost above my shoulders at times or uh-huh. when I'd go down. And I remember we're playing a game against Carolina, mm-hmm. and I'm like two weeks in the league. Nobody even knows who I am. Yeah. And It was Trip Tracy from the broadcast on Carolina Uh called the league on me to make sure that the American League guys are being checked to see if their equipment's legal. I was going to ask you, how often did you run into that? And I was like, I found out about this later, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. All my stuff, even for the American League guys, Mm -hmm. even for the East Coast League guys. Has to clear. Has to clear. It all has a signature. Even back then, it all went through Kay Whitmore. Uh That really upset me. Because yeah. I'm doing everything by the letter of the law, but then I, I'm suddenly the scapegoat. This kid who's just getting to the league, right? You know? and I think
1: that's always this common misconception about goalies in general. they're always thinking, "Oh, you're just they're just standing there and they're just making themselves into a billboard and things like that." And shooters are too are too good, um, and the game is too fast. That you know, again, the, the equipment is a tool. Now, have there been times? You know, a la Garth Snow, when you say, okay, maybe we're trying to take up a little bit more space than is necessary, sure. You're flaunting the rules at that point. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, um, but at the same time, the level of scrutiny, I think, is, is, is too much when it comes to, to goaltenders. And I think that goalies, the, the position has advanced from a technical perspective so much. Yes, the equipment has as well to kind of keep pace. But the advancements we've seen in goaltending have been, first and foremost, technique, secondarily equipment. When you think back to when goalie gear started to bring all the color in, Mm -hmm. went away
0: from the natural tan. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think were some of the first guys to really have iconic equipment? When you think of the whole Ooh. setup and the overall look, we already talked about McLean. Yeah. And his was unique because it was such a mismatch, too. Yes, By today's standards, that's people true. would be calling, they, the internet kiddies would be going bananas on this guy because his blocker doesn't match his pads. Right, exactly. You yes, know? yes.
1: So would have been a pariah. Right. Um, yeah, one of the first that, actually I, that, I, that I recall that did, it was Ken Dryden had a Bayard blocker that was blue. It was one of the first times that and he had asked for it. He asked for a colored blocker because they were no longer, I think it actually might still be leather. Uh, they got red and blue. and Those are in the Hall of Fame still, and you can see them. And That, that was one of the first cases of non-brown leather being used in, in equipment. In terms of just becoming iconic later on, there, there are so many gorgeous sets. I loved Andy Moog in Boston because he had the gear that was black and white Vaughn, but he also had the mask to match it. And you in my opinion, some of the greatest setups is not just the gear. It's you've got to have the mask to match Popvin, Cujo, those, uh, you know, uh, those guys that had these really iconic setups, they had, they were, they were head to toe. Uh, but I love Andy Moogs, the original, the original black and whites with the Bruin mask was, was fantastic. But again, I think as you go down, down the way, Potman, I think, it was one of the ones that changed. Trevor Kid, or uh, as well, uh, equally, were just phenomenal.
0: Baba Senza in Winnipeg. Baba Senza in Winnipeg. I think of how simple
1: that setup was. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it was absolutely iconic. Red, white, and blue. Yeah. Simple design mask.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it's funny how things translate and and the colors and changes. Here's an interesting one: um, how quickly that the things became. Because goalies are so into history and of the position and things like that. So, Andy Moak had the black and white setup. And then he'd gotten for, I don't remember what anniversary of the team it was, but Boston was having, they were going to do these special jerseys. So, he actually had asked Vaughn for a set of tan colored gear and he got traded to Dallas. And so the, the the tan gear that he's in Dallas and is actually something he actually had. Or wants to work. It totally works. I I just kept it. No I to, way. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. And then that mask is. He act- was
0: the only guy that
1: actually really ran retro gear. It, way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. And he and ran it. It yes.
0: wasn't for a one-off. No, like they it wasn't.
1: Now. Yeah, and there's a there's a picture of him uh, on this great uh, vintage Vaughn poster that's in my office, and he's in that. And he and but the sad part is, and I know you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, we were talking about that setup, and he said, Oh, yeah, the mask I'm wearing is my Bruins mask painted over. And some of these masks, they're just so iconic. You're like, No, but they didn't have the budget back then or the time to get a new mask painted, and built, and painted to them in a week or two.
0: Isn't it amazing how much masks have changed? We yes. talked to people that wanted to get a Harrison back in the day, and it was a year yes. and a half. Yeah. You know, yeah. (laughs) And like absolute works of art. Right. But like Harrison, Cumberly and Warwick in that age group in the beginning of it, think about how much that's changed. It's unbelievable the technology difference we have now compared to what it used to be.
1: There are far more painters, obviously with the internet and everything like that. There's so much more access to painters there's also in the last few years there's been you know new, new techniques like vinyl being able to be available that you can send off and they can vinyl wrap masks now i there's, still think that's the future i i have to agree i, I the one we I, we have a mask for, from um, a company called skin effects that has they did one of the gold gear in their masks and it's unbelievable because you, you give him a couple of images he pushes it on the mask you send it to him he prints it out he wraps it it was when it arrived at his house, and 24 hours later he was sending it back.
0: Yeah, I think once they really get the design and the artwork side dialed yeah. into vinyl wrapping, yes, that's yeah, going to be the durability is a, think, think going to be a how, challenge. I mean, think about how quick it is. Yeah, that's you the know, thing. If the durability is a the challenge, then maybe that improves that the equipment guys can wrap it themselves. Kids can wrap it themselves. You know? Yeah. There's a future to this.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think that's something that you're going to see. Across the entire goalie equipment industry is this ability to kind of plug and play designs. I really feel like the future of equipment retail is that it's it's going to be less um, retail. It puts a tremendous strain on retailers to buy a huge amount of inventory um, for uh, of goalie equipment, put them on shelves, huge amount of their um, floor space, hoping you got the right colors and sizes. Um, I think there is going to be in the next few years um, much more. You go in, your kid picks the brand he likes, the size he wants. You bring in, uh, you bring your iPad. You submit an order on iPad. They send it off to the factory, and all of a sudden, it arrives your door a few weeks later. So maybe
0: they just keep a few demo sets
1: that I, you can I, at least look at it,
0: get the feel yeah. of, and then you dial it in. Yeah, right
1: it's yeah. It, obviously, for so for super young kids that you know are still growing, you do need a set tomorrow because they've grown out of it I think there's still gonna be a market for that but for you know Guys like you and I that are really into well, you you don't have to buy your gear, but but no, I do. I will now. I think. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe. Uh,
0: but I gotta say it's like pseudo in the game somehow. So hopefully yes, I can do. I can keep those coming. But yeah, <laughs> that's
1: true. I don't wear them out as quickly as I used to now. But. No, I wouldn't think you would. But 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 yeah, for the for the gear nerds out there, you know you'll be able to go and again kind of plug and play. It's so on masks, and I think gear now it's going to be so much more customized. Um, to the individual uh, in terms of colors and images and things like that. There doesn't
0: seem to be a limit to what you're gonna be able to do. No. I mean, it seems like Bauer really broke the door down with the digital imaging. Yeah. It really bothers me when kids and people in general, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like street hockey pads. Yeah. That just bugs me. And yeah. when I had the Reactor 5 retro set that I did for mm-hmm. Dallas. Yeah. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm, yeah. I get to wear my favorite pad of all time again yeah. in a modern setup. Yeah. And I can remember people bagging on it saying, oh, it doesn't look – and I'm, of course it doesn't look real. It's a tribute. <laughs> like, it yeah. doesn't. It's just yeah. not the way it's going to be. Yeah. Like it's not supposed to be perfect. Yeah. It's supposed to be
1: a tribute to what I wore right. – in a modern version. It's like a Tenacious D song. It's not the real thing. It's just a tribute. Right. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's and that's exactly what it is. And and I don't think that... It, it, Bauer, with the digital printing, and what they've done with the whole Odin initiative, I think it, it has been tremendous. And, and one of the biggest things that's happened probably in the last five years, uh, them being able to essentially... You know they are, are three printing, three D printing these graphics. I don't think people appreciate that these graphics wrap around. There's an outer roll, so it's not just them printing something on you know a piece of paper and slapping it on a piece of foam. It's so much more advanced than that. And I, I did have the opportunity to go to Blaineville earlier this year and got to sit with the team that helped create this. And hearing the stories and the iterations and what it took to bring this to market has been it, it, it's. Free tremendous. And now, getting I had the opportunity to actually create my own true design set through power. And it's just, you're right, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing.
0: It's not just the colors on these things either, in <laughs> the design. I mean, right. that actual initiative to build something new. Yes. Start clean sheets. Yes. Let's build something new. Yeah. I remember when I got my first set of, I guess they would have been Odin's when they were prototypes. Mm-hmm. So it turned into the 1S. Mm-hmm. And... You know they were skinned like an NXG. Yes, right. Yes, yes. And you know the, the digital printing wasn't on yet. It kind of looked like they'd been left out in the rain. <laughs> yeah. But they were so good when I put mm-hmm. them on. They were so light. They slid so well. They sealed the ice so much better than anything I'd ever had. Right. I didn't care what they looked like. Yeah. And I knew that I need to get into these. And but mm-hmm. it was a, it was a transition because it was all elastics too. Yes. So. I had about a week where I was like, I see the benefit to this. Mm-hmm. I need to get used to this because it's going to make me a better goalie. Mm-hmm. And thankfully I think I was right after about a week or so, I felt
1: fine in them. Right.
0: But man, I remember people looking at those and just thinking, this is wacky,
1: you know? Yeah. It, they are truly ahead of their time. As you said, to Bauer's credit, I mean, the initiative was really just start from scratch, blank piece of paper. If you, if you had an unlimited budget, what would you do? And, uh, the 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 three concepts that finally get to the final round. One of them became the the Odin goalie pad. Subsequently, the One S. And it's, and I still feel like it's something people are starting to get their heads around.
0: Well, it's finally kind of caught on. Look at the number yeah. of people that are using the 2X yeah. now. Yes. Which was probably a little bit more mainstream compared to what I yes. prefer. The 2S is what I still love.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I, and
0: I can understand why people like the 2X now. Right. Uh, and it's what it affords to that. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing other companies do similar stuff now too, yes. right? Like yeah. the new Axis Pad seems to have incorporated or looks like it is kind of similar concepts mm-hmm. that... It's it's almost like when Pete Smith broke the door down originally with his foam
1: pads, Right. the Aeroflex, yes. the Vicks, yes, game changers, total right. game changers back right. then, right. And there's I think there's something there's something called the Red Queen effect in the economics. They talk about you know that you have to constantly adapt to what your competitors are doing in order to stay, stay competitive in the marketplace. And I think that all the equipment companies uh, are now realizing it can't just it can't just be foam and Gen Pro. And leather straps and call it a day. It, there really has to be true innovation because, again, these are tools you know with which you play the position, and they are performance enhancers. Um, so you've got to stay up there. You well, know, and think about like you know Vaughn's used a bunch of carbon
0: now. That's, yes, that, and there's everybody's trying to find a way. Right. You know, and, and people always ask me, "Hey, what's the best pads?" And I've, wore, I've worn yeah. Bauer for 20 years. Yeah. I love their stuff, mm-hmm. but I really think across the board, everybody makes good gear now. Yeah. I think it really just comes down to your
1: preference with stuff Precisely. and how much you dial it in. Precisely. And that's a, that's a big message that I try to push because it's a question I get all the time. And I'll even get questions within certain brands. They'll say, oh, uh, what, what's better, the Warrior G4, or the GT2? And, and it's about aligning the goalie, their style, their preferences with the product. And trying to uh, well, big and I price point, do. too. Price I mean, point, you know, as Let's well. be honest. Like, it's, yes.
0: Not everybody has the luxury like I did to get free gear.
1: Absolutely, and and that's actually a really important point. And what's interesting is that from a retail perspective, um, you you have seen, especially the last few years, them stocking a lot less pro line equipment and much more the second tier, quote unquote, senior line. That is by far the highest selling segment uh, retail wise. Is people buy that second tier because the do the differences are relatively nuanced. Have you seen big
0: improvement in that line too? Yes. Yeah. You know, When I was a kid, the 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 senior line was kind of a joke that you you knew it was going to break down in three months. Right. And why even bother?
1: Right. The distinction between the pro lines and the senior lines is much, much, much less than it used to be, as you said. It was a huge step down to the the non-pro lines previously. Um, So, yeah, they're much closer. Usually it's a small difference in some materials, usually not the core main materials. Um, And then um, usually some customization, of course. Uh, but really, the senior line uh, is a really, really, really competitive product today. Flipping back to what we just touched on briefly, the Aeroflex. Yes.
0: Pete Smith. Yes. Uh, there's another name in there that escapes me right now, um, that Greg Millen, Reggie Lemelin. Millen credited Lemelin with the guy who kind of broke the door down wearing these things. When you see those yeah. in person yes. and how different they were. Yes what what thoughts the air lights
1: are the um aerolight. wind light wind, lights. wind
0: light that's yes, what i was looking light. for yes what goes through your mind when you look at those in terms yes. of today yeah what's still used from those it's interesting
1: too. they were again kind of ahead of their time because because the the goalie's leg really kind of went inside the pad um there was a huge channel that the that your leg went into so it was almost semi precursor to the knee block Because you were kind of almost falling within that segment, Um, and again for the time, as you were talking about the 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 trend was to strap down, you know, your leather straps as tight against your leg as possible, because you wanted your movements to translate through the pad all the time. What the wind lights and airflex, what they did so well, they really wrapped around your leg, so they became a little bit, they moved with you a little bit better. And that's something that you've seen over and over a recent trend now because really as of this past year, the stock strapping on um, the main company's pads don't have leather straps anymore. These companies have realized now that it's more about enveloping the leg and having that, that movement translate through the pad, although wearing it much looser, um, that they've really gone away from those, those, those straps. So they, in a way, it was kind of ahead of, the time, ahead of time in that way as well.
0: I find that interesting how we've changed all the strapping completely mm-hmm. on its head. I used to wear my pads tight as a kid. As I got older, towards, I guess, high school or so, mm-hmm. I remember seeing Byron Defoe had a really loose heel strap on his pads, yes. skate strap. Yeah. And I realized, that's letting the pad shift up his leg to take up the five hole. Precisely. So I started to do that. Yes. Then I saw that Hoshik had his pads on loose, and they rotated. Mm-hmm. And, and Steve Shields, too. Yes. And they had angular thigh rises yes. that helped the pads close. Yes. Like all these things you're thinking about at the right. time. Then it got to the point we'd wear them so loose that the pads felt like they were falling off our legs yes. to get them to rotate and they weren't really attached to our bodies. Mm-hmm. And now with the elastic, they have the ability to rotate, but you mm-hmm. feel very connected to your gear. Right. That's what I felt immediately is the big advantage with the elastic. Yeah.
1: And, and there's actually been studies. Um, there's, a, there's a, within the circles, there's a pretty famous study that was done by a guy named ryan frame who's a phd in biomechanics and i had the opportunity to meet um ryan uh back at ccm last year and he had actually done as part of his thesis done partnered with ccm to do these studies on pad drop velocity and what is optimal strapping for that and he found exactly that it's really about where the straps are and getting rid of the leather straps and it really informed ccm um and how they were um how they set up their stock strapping. A lot of the other companies had had kind of similar inclinations and were already heading that direction, but he was actually able to quantify it uh, with them, which I think is really fascinating. So yeah, leather straps are a thing of the past. I mean, it's amazing. Again, 30, 40 years ago, you're talking about leather pads. There was a short period of time that there were the nylon pads. My first pads were Aeroflex, all nylon pads. Did you ever freeze through the ice? No, no, I I, I, I
0: I had Coho Evolutions. Those are my first yeah, ads, like the okay. herbay style ones. Yes. And I would freeze to the ice. Really? If, the, if the ice was not completely frozen, like mm-hmm. if there was still a little water left from the Zamboni and oh. I stayed in the same place too long, I freeze.
1: I'd probably spend more time on my back. <laughs> uh, to, Doing the uh, backstrap. Exactly right. Yes, yeah, so the pre-hashing. Um, but yeah, looking at kind of what they were back then to today and the advanced materials like we're talking about in the strapping is just unbelievable. What else is going to go extinct soon? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, foam core sticks are dead. Foam core sticks next five years. There is only a handful of of pros still using them biggest obvious one a flurry uh brian elliott there's a there's maybe a smattering i have i track it and i don't remember off the top of my head a i button. think i was in the first wave i was 2011 when i yeah. watched so, so what, what, what what tell me what prompted what why did you see the light before others in terms of composite stick because it was tech mm-hmm. it's a chance for me to have a leg
0: up on anybody really you know and I grew up in racing, so we're always looking for a technological advantage. Mm-hmm. I would dr- I would drill out my cowlings before I put them on my skates. I saw that
1: picture. I'd never noticed that before. Yeah,
0: I'd drill them out to make them lighter. Mm-hmm. No, little did I know, I probably should have just cut the cowling off totally. Right. <laughs> you know like, what I mean? Hey, 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 and, hey. and really gone for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But that's the, those are the things I would do to try to have mm-hmm. any advantage I could. So I got these sticks. 2011, Bauer made them for me for the first time. And mm-hmm. Ottawa didn't want to buy them because they were expensive. Sure, and it's okay, we'll buy a dozen, okay, and we'll buy some wood ones too. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll save those for games. Well, mm-hmm. y- you can't really switch back and forth. Like, no. y- you need to use what you play with, right? But those sticks lasted me. I think I went through 13 of them all season or something. Really? Yeah, and they lasted forever. But it wasn't the durability why I loved them. I loved mm-hmm. them because they were light, mm-hmm. because they were really thin, mm-hmm. so I could shoot really well. I could deflect how I wanted, mm-hmm. but they
1: were consistent. I was going to say, that is a theme I've heard over again. It's the consistency for the pros that really helped It's just like Red Hall when he first got his composite blades. Uh I don't
0: have to curve them anymore. I don't have to shape them. I don't have to do anything else. I just Mm -hmm. come, I put them in my shaft, and I'm ready to go. That's the way it was for me with the goalie sticks. I knew what I was getting every single time. And the the performance benefits were there, too. Sure. But I I never understood the logic of everybody saying that they're too light or it doesn't feel right when the puck hits it. And I'm like... You guys are all stuck in the mud. You're saying the exact same things that the players were saying in 2005 yes. yeah. when everybody was switching over to synergies. Right. You know, 2003 to 2006 when that happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, guess what's happened now? Right. It's taken that same time frame and now every goalie's is using composite
1: for obvious reasons. Right. You don't want to be the, uh, I, thinking, I think it was one of the C, uh, CEOs for one of the mobile, I think it was Nokia. That when the iPhone came out, he said, "Well, everybody wants key. You know, they, they, everyone's always going to want a keypad on their phone." It's like, I don't think so. Um, and I, and I think that people need to embrace that. And Again, it's it's foam core sticks are uh, the one of the main factories of Drummondville closed a few years ago. The one in Finland that's used by Warrior recently closed. So it is, and it is something that the companies are actively pushing. They even got Bobrovsky into composite this year, which I thought he was going to be one of the last to change just because of his uh, uniquely steep hit grip. Right. Um, and he just seems to be reticent to change. Um, he went to composite this year. So you, I think that's the end The end of foam core.
0: Yeah, and part of that, too, is the companies are now catering with the shoulders. Yeah. It seems like there's a renaissance in that now. Yeah. Guys are really starting to play around with the shoulders of yeah. their stick. Yeah. My goalie stick is based off a of Grant Fuhrer Pro Pattern. Oh, really? Yeah, I got it at Piranis in Detroit when I was 15 uh-huh. on a road trip. Uh-huh. And I took that, I changed the curve a little bit, mm-hmm. added a little toe. Uh-huh. Marty Turco, and we would love to talk about this. Oh, right? Right. But, so I added a little toe, and I sent that to Sherwood at the time. Uh-huh. And so from that point forward, my stick has always been based off a Grant Fure Pro pattern. Interesting. But my shoulders are offset. The bottom side's about a half inch or three quarters of an inch offset to the top. Okay. Which wasn't... That strange, it existed. Was it control um, or orientation of your block? I just love the feel. Was, I like okay. the feel of it. Just it was feel. pure feel on mm-hmm. it, really. Um, it felt natural to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now everybody's putting trigger grips right. and, sh- you know, very shallow shoulders for some of the Euro right. guys that like to, to grip lower. and Right. Uh, how,
1: where do you think that's all coming from? Yeah, I, 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 there's it, been a lot of, you know, again, because we wear so much gear and there are people that are nerding out like, like us. That think about every little small spec. There's been the obvious question of uh, people saying, "Is the way we hold our stick and the you know for those again that don't know, you know, putting your index finger across the paddle is that the most optimal way from a performance perspective, being able to control the stick, putting the stick along the ice, and then as well as just a protection perspective. So um, the 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 challenge to composite has been you can't just take a Dremel and cut the grip out. You can't curve it. You can't curve it, exactly. So um, now in regards to the grip, that has changed dramatically. With the pros, they all now have access to that. It's one of the things I got to see was really interesting at Bauer this year. Is they had a whole long line in a, uh, it was a Lee Britt's uh, um, cubicle of um, paddles from all these different NHLers who were asking for a stay lock, they're, they're really unique patterns. And they actually will mark them and then 3D scan them essentially to then create the grips that go on the composite sticks. I think that technology, like everything, will start at the pro level and then will trickle down. Like I said, you know, I think there'll be a time that you can go to a retail store and get a custom uh, grip uh, goalie stick ordered. Um, that will come. The The idea behind it, again, also is just more control over the stick. That's why Staloc started with the trigger grip. His dad used to cut out a little finger notch to give him a little bit more control over it. Also, for things like Hank, he has that very, um, Henrik Lundqvist has a very square paddle. He does it to really kind of orient his hand. He feels like it allows his blocker hand to be a little bit more active. So I think it's great that people are kind of Thinking about that, again, it's so much easier, though. That's the one advantage of foam core. You can dremel it out uh, and test it out. Composite can't do that, unfortunately.
0: How long until we see cowlings go
1: away completely on skates? Uh, They're basically dead. They're um, dead at retail. They're dead at retail. But
0: the pros are hanging on because we it's, got some relics out there that are still know, using them. I
1: know, you've got John Gibson's, you've got the, the Dubnecks, who are both wearing Reebok-era skates. Um, and Gibson's relatively young too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. hold on for a while here. Exactly. And he, and, and he, he has some interesting specs because he's holding on to leather straps. He has a two-piece um, glo- glove. I mean, he does have some of his older specs for being a young guy. It just works for them. You can't really argue with those results. I think that it's interesting when it comes to some of those innovations, the pros are a little bit late because you, you go with the gear that got you there. So they're a little bit more reticent to change. Uh, again, any, you'd be hard-pressed to find a goalie that's not, I would say, you know CHL or D1, there's not probably a single goalie with cowlings on their skates. So you give it another few years, there will not be a single pro. Maybe with the exception of Gibson, if he's still playing, they still have the Collins going.
0: That's another one that I was early into. The moment Bauer sent me, uh, whatever whatever it was, Bauer Pro, I think, was a Mm -hmm. skate. Mm -hmm. And they actually discontinued it because it was basically me and Freddie Anderson were the only two using it. Yeah, Yeah. really. I loved that skate. (laughs) Really? Yeah. But in any case, the three millimeter blade, Mm -hmm. I loved it out of the box. Really? But I play forward in the summertime.
1: So okay. I've been
0: used to skating on 3mm blades. Mm-hmm. They're rockered like a player skate, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that didn't phase me at all, going to the, sh- the narrower blade. And I actually liked it because I felt more mobile. Like, I didn't have as much blade in the ice. Yes. It wasn't as clunky. Yes. It's taken forever for a lot of guys to get to that. It's almost taken the younger generation that's bought 3 millimeter blades mm-hmm. in stores and mm-hmm. are now wearing them. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of pros still in the
1: 4 millimeter. Yes, yes. There are still... Uh, yes, and that is actually... Um, uh, True has come with, with VH prior to that. They do a four millimeter blade. They only do a four millimeter blade in um, their skates. And it's heavy, though, too. That's it, the problem. And it's why you see a lot of goalies, though. And when, and when they decided to do that, they they had just asked a bunch of pros, what do you prefer? And they, a lot of them said four. But there are a lot of guys, Tukarask and others, that will wear the True Boot, but with a Bauer Vertex holder because get that three millimeter. You know who was the first to do that? I'm gonna guess you.
0: Uh huh. Okay. All right. That was a that was a phone conversation with True. It was VH still. I remember calling and saying like, "Listen, I've I had the one piece skate Uh with the four millimeter and the full carbon cowling and everything. Okay. And then I had the Bauer, uh, whichever version, Supreme, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, the boot for the True. Yeah, it's incredible. But I don't yeah. like the blade, but I love the Bauer blade. Yeah, and I, I called really him do. And I'm like, Do you think we can merge these? Mm-hmm. Because it was again, I wanted the three millimeter mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to change it too. Like, if I've lost an edge in a game, okay. and having that trigger is so nice. Yeah, and I know we've seen all seen the video of Tuka throwing the blade, yeah, but that happens so
1: rarely. No, you're willing to risk it as a goalie. I agree. It, the whole perception about the risk of blades popping out is so remote, considering the reps these guys. Put their skates through, um, you it's know. Happened, it, it happened to me twice in three years. Yeah, but I mean, you were on the ice literally every single day, every day, yeah. and and putting it through as high of impact and just stress testing it, stress testing it far beyond what a normal goalie like me, a civilian, would be <laughs> would be doing with it. Um, you know, it, I always say it's analogous to it. It would. Not using one of those triggers for fear of the blade coming out is analogous to saying, I got a fender bender and I'm never going to drive again. You know, it's, 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 they're so unique and so, they're so uh, atypical, Uh, it it happens.
0: We've talked an awful lot about new stuff, about innovation. Yeah, 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 yeah you like me, though, that you have a special place in your heart when you see somebody order up some just super old school gear yeah. with straps all over it. Yes. And toe buckles. Yes. You know, yes. I, I, does that just warm your heart? when It you does. See that? It
1: does. And it's the reason why I still follow Jonas Hiller, uh, who's over in Switzerland and he's playing his last season, because uh, he's still rocking, you know, gosh, at least four or five leather straps and the toe buckles. And and I, I there is something... Because, yeah, it reminds us of our childhood and some of these older sets. And it's really cool now, there's a whole market for um, tribute gear. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a guy named I mean, Joni, I don't remember trying to pronounce his last name, or Bonnie, um, that uh, makes the tribute gear. Finnish guy, right? Finish, yes. Uh, he's unbelievable. Yes, the, some of the stuff he, he's created, he did a Grant Fure set recently. He does gloves. From scratch. Paz usually works with another company. Um, and it, it looks just like the stuff
0: 30. He's years an equipment ago. manager over in Finland, he I is, believe. Yes. Yeah. And he
1: is a hardcore gear nerd. This guy is unbelievable in his knowledge and his collection. He has this unbelievable office that is I will get to Finland someday uh to, to go and, and see it. His Rick Wamsley tribute yes. Calgary set. Is yes. the greatest. Yes. yes. Like the Cooper Legends
0: pads. Yes. With, with the n- red nylon front yes. on them. Yes. Yes. Oh.
1: Yes. And it's it's so fun that, you know, that, because that, I don't I don't really know any other sport that does that um, to that degree anyway, because again, we wear so much damn gear. Uh, we wear so much of it that um, it's, it's, it's interesting and it gives us the opportunity to do tribute and vintage sets like that.
0: It's kinda of like vintage racing. Maybe that's the only okay. comparison. Okay. Like, there are people who are, who are super into vintage cars. Okay. It's kinda of like how the gear is for us in some ways. Totally.
1: Yeah. It's an, it's an, and it's a callback to a different era and it's always kind of fun. That's why I really always make sure that I try to watch the alumni games uh, for like the winter Classic. Because a lot of times either they're wearing older gear or they have had a company um, you know, design a new set and make it local. I think that stuff's just so cool. Well, how about when somebody strides out on the ice wearing a flat jason mask from the 70s <laughs> yeah oh, i remember was it leonard that did that um, leonard did it in practice yes, in buffalo yes he did and um that was uh pretty incredible and um i i that was before our time i don't think we ever stepped on the ice either one of us i think we i had a bird cage i had a combo okay yeah, yeah. yeah. i
0: started with a combo that was kind of similar to haschick style okay straight bars but it wasn't mm. By, I guess, 11 or 12, I had my first proper – it was a Badger Elite, actually.
1: Okay, okay. Plastic with
0: the cage dented everywhere, but that was my first goalie mask.
1: Really? Yeah. Now, that's – and it's so fun because especially talking to goalies about old gear, you can always – there's a great picture of Brian Elliott. I think he was getting a Brian's hook for Christmas. There's always that one piece that I think every goalie – got for a birthday for christmas or just whatever that has a very special place in their heart do you have a specific piece that you think back and say that was the one that i got that i was like so excited about
0: it was everything i think the one piece that i wanted my whole life as a kid at least Mm -hmm. was a bauer stick of all things it wasn't even just the equipment when i was younger Mm -hmm. there was this stick it was a black and teal bauer Okay. And I'm full right. So there weren't a lot of sticks available. Mm-hmm. And this thing was sitting in a store in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And it was there for like a year. And I have to have this. Uh-huh. This is perfect. The curve, the flex, you know, everything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I finally got it, and I got two of them. And that's the only ones I ever saw. They were Bauer Supremes. Uh-huh. They were white with teal. But the blade was still wood. So they had the oh, foil on them back then. And it was before they went to be in... Like, they weren't even Cooper Fives, right? You know, oh, yeah, like, yeah. This was still old-school Bauer, and right. that was it for me. And it was the the way that it was shaped was different. It was kind of rectangular in comparison. And really? I still have it somewhere. Like, oh, I've I got it in part. the archives, <laughs> but but that was it for me, and I got it maybe at christmas time or something and that thing was in the bed with me immediately oh, you know is it really oh yeah, yeah. that's cool because we all have that goalie moment of like sleeping with your gear i, <laughs> I absolutely
1: i do vividly remember that you can't explain gear. that to people your, no. first, your first bedmate was a piece of gear <laughs> yes exactly though know? exactly maybe this is the where there's a the perception of goalies being weird but it's so they're so again part of our identity you know they're they're just they're uh, just you know a core part of our being is our, is our gear. And, uh, you know, again, because if, especially as a kid, I, when I was 14, anybody could show me 10% of Felix Potvin setup, and I know exactly who he is, who he was at 14. I don't know if Felix Potvin was walking down the street, if I would recognize it because again, I know the boys by their gear. Um, so it, it, it's, yeah, that's those special pieces of gear kind of, a special place in my heart
0: has it been amazing through all your travels as goalie gear nerd mm-hmm. throughout the socials and throughout the world? Yeah, level, but it's amazing all the people that come out of the woodwork that yes. are goalie people, isn't it? Yes, I again I,
1: I, on multiple levels. I on mean, celebrities on like celebrities. Uh, celebrities, I know you interviewed Jay Weinberg, drummer for Slipknot, yeah, and uh, he reached out. I, I got a picture of him touring uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, archives and it was just a picture of him holding some some goalie gear and you you have to request to go to the archive section of the hockey hall of fame and so i just posted the picture and said oh apparently he's a apparently he's a, a gear nerd and he immediately messaged me and said i'm an absolute gear nerd and we talked about goalie gear and very nice guy um, what was it um Uh, Is it Jax Taylor? Jax Taylor is a huge goalie. And And really maybe the biggest goalie advocate within the celebrity community, to be honest with you. Easily. He tagged me uh, in a question last night about Laurent Brassois' pads and the question about that. He, within, I would say, months of goalie gear starting, started messaging me. And we would just talk about, me having no idea who he was, talking about the heat he wore when he played in Detroit, and, and just reminiscing about gear. And, just, and then I realized he had a, uh, a verified Instagram account, and I said, who, who the hell is this guy? Did you ask your wife? I, I did. I did, actually. Yeah. Like I,
0: like I, we hope to record someday, Jax and I, but because yeah, yeah. we're waiting to do it in person, right? But like, yeah. it's the same thing. My wife was like do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) I'm like, well, no, not at first, but now I do. And now I'm, you know, watching Vanderpump rules. (laughs) Well,
1: cause I got to support him now too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this guy's one of us, you know, like we're all in the same boat with this stuff. It is a, it is a small, wonderful fraternity. And I don't mean that in just a male sense, but maybe union is a better word because it is really so much fun to get to, to, interact with all these people it is this common language uh go you know goalies just again we're our own kind of special brotherhood and uh yeah it kind of transcends everything else but
0: you don't have to have played pro hockey to be in the union that's true. the cool part yes, very true because for me i've met people who are you know normal beer league goalies right yeah. and yeah i i can sense it that they're a little bit kind of on guard right because mm-hmm. of where I've played, sure, so, of course. That's all out the window within the first sentence or two because mm-hmm. we're just talking gear and goalie, yeah. like, yeah, you know, you really find the commonalities in people through that.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. Also, is I, I've gotten a fair amount of messages of uh, from people that say, "Hey, I'm actually a player. I've never played goalie. I just think goalie gear is cool." And then we'll chat about goalie gear that they're just fascinated from it, just from a subject matter perspective, which I think is interesting.
0: I've had a lot of teammates like
1: that. Really?
0: Yeah. They always will say, oh, I was always a goalie in road hockey or (laughs) ball hockey. Really? And this guy's gear was the best. It happens a lot in locker rooms. Right.
1: I I think that the groups that I play with, I've hopefully piqued their interest of a, a bit, because I, I tend to show up in new sets, because I'm always testing stuff, right. and they're always they're always wondering, what's what's he going to pull out of his bag uh, uh, today? And uh, I, I, I always have mixed reactions, but at least they're more aware of it now. You never get all over getting a new box of gear, though, do no, you? No, 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 no. I don't think that that changes ever. I mean, for you, you've gotten far more gear than than most, and I think you're right that, that it is like Christmas morning Every time,
0: every time, yeah. No matter what, even if it's the
1: same gear, yeah. you're still excited. I, even if it's a set of uh, knee pads or pants, <laughs> I'm like this. Oh, wow, This is great. I can't wait to get these out there. And I always liked those suspenders. Oh yeah, it was those are hard to, to find good ones. Somebody's got to
0: remake the Eastern suspenders. Yeah. They were the best ones. All the other ones are too short. Yeah. But I'd take my suspenders and I would get rid of all the plastic on them. Yeah. And I'd have my equipment manager just sew the elastic in a loop at the bottom and put it through it so they would never break. That's very smart.
1: And I would run them until they absolutely wore you a thread. You see the buttons bear. on the pa- pants though? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's, a, there's a, another finish company called Kova that has really done a lot as getting very. Because they have. It's very much like that. They're big, thick suspenders. And like, now it used to be just the finish goalies, but now at like Bobrovsky, a lot of people. A couple pros that I think I'm not supposed to say yet, but they're going to be seeing (laughs) them. Uh, They have them, and they're fantastic. But you're right. Good suspenders are a hard thing to find.
0: Is it fun for you to get that
1: insider perspective sometimes? Uh, No, it is. It is. And I try to lord it over anyone, but I also try to be respectful. Because one of the things that has been really rewarding with going Year Nerd is how quickly – the equipment companies really embraced what I was trying to do. And cause I'm trying to do it in a respectful way. The whole idea was to create a little bit higher level narrative around the gear I'd be a little bit more informative than just, Hey, here's a picture of a goalie wearing some cool stuff, answer kind of some of the functional questions and kind of get some of that insight out there. And how quickly um, the gear companies kind of said, you know, if, if we're very responsive. So we like what you're doing and, and kind of willing to work, with, with with me, and I try very much to be respectful of a relationship where they might have something be on the horizon that they want me to you know so I can kind of help get the word out, but I can't quite yet.
0: With all the insider knowledge that you have, mm-hmm. and without divulging anything that's proprietary, where do you see goalie gear going in the next five,
1: ten years? Ooh, that's a great question. I, I think that from uh, the, the big areas of focus are going to be on... One, continue to be on materials, uh, you know, again, GenPro and Foam, uh, those are continued to, they're looking, going to get more and more advanced materials, obviously. I think that's just a trend that's been happening for quite some time. I think also the big things you're going to look at are two safety areas. Uh, concussions, obviously, uh, because a, uh, across all sports, an area that people are very concerned with. And I know for a fact that the gear companies are taking them very seriously. The NHL has enhanced their own testing this year, finally. Um, because of the rate of concussions we're seeing. So there's a lot of work from an r perspective inside the companies um regards to that. And the other safety area is looking at <clears throat> how to minimize the impact of hips on goalies. Hips on goalies are like up hit elbows to pitchers. Um, is the area that gets worn out. And, uh, again, quoting Ryan, Dr. Ryan Frayne here, he had told us that the impact of hips uh, when a, gu- a goalie butterfly uh, drops into a butterfly is three times uh, their body weight so they're taking a huge amount of impact so uh, the companies are working very hard to find ways to design knee blocks and the pads themselves and a way to minimize that impact as much as possible so I think those are the really the big trends you see and then as well as I said earlier the continued customization everything is going to be more customized easier to customize you know at the point of sale you know boom I asked you about the future of goaltending mm-hmm. what's well, the future goalie gear nerd ah uh, uh, thanks for asking that. So, Goalie Gear Nerd Now is on Instagram and Twitter. Those are the the initial places that we put out there because it was just easier to kind of create an audience. We'll be launching GoalieGearNerd.com uh, in the coming weeks, and it's going to be content that is very unique. And again, it's pretty nerdy. I'm going to warn you right now. So, um, but the idea is that you don't have to warn anybody because it's what we crave. (laughs) Why do you think everybody goes to it? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, it's going to be content that is one, not well suited for Instagram and Twitter. It's a lot of, uh, really deeper dives into things. So for example, um, I did an interview with Andy Moog, just talking about him having to wear the clear iTech shield in the 88 Olympics. What's the story behind that? um Yeah. or like we have a joint friend matt from vintage goalie he's a, be a guest contributor because he's done some work with armadilla amazing guy a, a one of the a fantastic guy deep industry experience passionate goalie
0: just a great human being got to hang out with him in ottawa yeah went to his house went to dinner together consider him a great
1: friend yeah. amazing guy love vintage goalie great great dude so we'll have that on the site we're going to have some other things like a catalog repository you'll be able to go and say, you know, what is the 92 Sherwood catalog uh, and be able to go through and actually have scanned images of that, uh, as well as actually have a, a master matrix of all of what the pros are wearing, how they're wearing them. So there was actually a database that we built. It's off of la- last season. We're updating it for this season. He's 85 pro goalies. You're on there. Um, <laughs> I still made the cut. Uh, 40, 45 <laughs> different <laughs> specs on their gear, not just what they're wearing, but how they're wearing it. Because again, the whole point of Goalie Gear Nerd is not only just to celebrate kind of history and talk about things um, kind of from a design perspective, but also to inform. So the idea being that you can look and say, how many goalies in the NHL are wearing, for example three millimeter blades versus four millimeter four millimeter blades or why how many goalies are using elastic toe ties well and then also subsequent sections explaining what's the benefit of those what's the drawback of those so again just trying to put that out there in the form and there would be some more initiatives for goalie gear nerd kind of later on 2020 uh, but that's the big next thing that we're working on thanks for
0: listening to six degrees with mike mckenna please make sure that you like comment, leave a rating, subscribe, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.